Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Welcome to the Waiting List Podcast. And this is our first recording for 2023. Hope everyone had an amazing Christmas and New Year. Hope whatever targets you set yourself um, this year, you can uh, reach them. Do I have to do that recording Woo-hoo! again? <laughs> right. Right. New year, Woo-hoo! new start. And I'm really happy to welcome back a certain someone to the show. You probably guessed already who it is. It's Jacqueline. Do that yourself. No, I can't. What are you talking about? And you that wasn't like me. You like, <laughs> you did too. No, Wait, you did like, too. Oh, did you hear? Oh. But look at your face. No. You're like, oh. Oh, I did. Ooh. <laughs> Hi, guys. Right, Jack. So, first question is to you, obviously. How does yeah. it feel to be recording again with us after so long? It feels good. And it feels good to um, like turn down all the rumors that we like just all had one giant orgy and left each other <laughs> and just this, this, this abandoned each other. Um, well, we did, we did have a big orgy. We just didn't abandon each other. <laughs> yeah, you wish. Like it was a great orgy. Me, Jack and Chester. <laughs> Luckily you were there. <laughs> Oh my god, that was so- <laughs> Fuck you and your Chinese internet dad. <laughs> okay, wait, let's just address like all the plastic surgery that Jack has done. <laughs> she looks different. Yeah, so that's the, that's the real reason why you've been away, hasn't it? Can we announce that now? Yeah. And you had to okay, sort out that like uh, breath problem of yours, right? Yeah. Is that sorted now? Yeah, some like a technology, nanotechnology I had to do, and, and some um, appeal thing. Yeah, no. Um, what what's it called? Um, placenta mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do I really look that different? I mean, you're okay. I think I you went a, a bit overboard. Um, with the lip injection. <laughs> <laughs> And the, and the um the what's like it called? Sh- the nose nose uh yeah. nose. Oh, hair and transplant. And hair transplant. transplant and hair transplant. Yeah, but the hair transplant's still growing out though. Yeah. So- <laughs> I got a haircut. <laughs> yeah. But actually, guys, like did you did anybody message you asking about Jack? Well, Jack, did you get any messages? No, I got a ton of messages. <laughs> so popular no not a ton like i i got the occasional dm and being like oh can't wait for you to come back when are you coming back what happened um and then i just said no i've been um kind of occupied with my covered in (laughs) band-aids yeah i've been recovering um but yeah i was i was very touched whenever i would receive a, a dm asking um but i know that you guys were you know rocking it up um, just the two of you. Um, but it does feel, has it been four months? It, you know, at some point it feels 
like longer than four months yeah. but then just talking yeah. talking to you guys now it doesn't really feel like four months but has been quite a long um fall for me rather yeah so um you know we joked about plastic surgery like you know you only had a nose job but we've made it like you've done your whole face but yeah. like <laughs> what were you actually doing in this last four months um so just i guess quite a few things um i'm back in the u.s now so the last time that we were recording um i was still home in canada um, I'm back in Boston, been traveling um, a bit uh, over the past few months because family was with me and, uh, you know, ended up going to Europe uh, two times. And then other than that, just been working on um, my thesis and my uh, my lab at school. Um, so that's been taking up a lot of my time and also you know, we talked about this, like a lot of things have happened in, I guess, all of our personal lives. Um, but I'm just, you know, fresh year, fresh start. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. We'll, we'll start strong. We'll, we'll start strong with this. Yeah, But it hasn't, okay, it hasn't sure. felt like four months, to be honest, now that I'm, you know, talking with you guys. It has felt quite, I, I think it's felt quite long because we, we've been doing the recording, haven't we, long? I, I think it has yeah. felt it has, it's it, long it's been because like... Dan's internet is just like <laughs> never working. Yeah, yeah and uh... you should get one of those like high speed routers, like no, extension. Just... Oh, yeah, that's okay. attached to your router. You know the the ones that gamers use. That might help actually. Maybe even go to a LAN cafe. <laughs> that's better than his home. <laughs> it's so fast. Um, by the way, Jay, uh, Zhou Jielun, right? He has a really nice land cafe. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say his um art gallery or art show. He has an Um, art show in Singapore or somewhere. Oh no. Um, but it. I want to say that with people that you really care about and you love, right? It's like time is like. When you're apart, you're like, oh, time is like slow. And then when you're together, you're like, oh, time is so like passing really quickly. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and it also, yeah. also, it's like, um, uh, I was like, I had this conversation, uh, with my friend. It's, it's not like you need to reach out every day, but mm-hmm. when you do, when you do talk, there's, there's no awkward silence. Yeah. Um, even though I strive in awkward silence, I've been striving in awkward silence. I used to hate awkward silences. And I don't like, know, man. I don't, do, do, do we do we even have awkward silences? No, I'm not saying like. If let's say I'm on the phone with you guys, right? And let's say there is a silence. Does it even <laughs> okay. feel awkward anymore? I, like, no, okay, like, but honestly, with you, that. I'm just like, dude, his internet dropped off. Yeah. Oh wait, <laughs> still <laughs> working. <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How bad is your internet? Has it gotten really that bad since? Well, what happened was right yeah. towards the end of the year, I got kicked out of where I lived because the landlord wanted to sell their place, right? Which is actually kind of like what's happening in China. Like a lot of people are putting their property mm-hmm. up for sale, and um, 
Why like, is that? I'm, do you know? Yeah, it's because they need the cash. One, I think they need the cash because a lot of businesses like failed, right? Because they couldn't just sustain after three years of this stuff. COVID, I'm talking about. And then the second thing is, I think there's a there's some scaremongering. Like, well, people are scared mm -hmm. that the houses are going to drop. So they're trying to sell before that happens. Um, so I think that's made a lot of property, you know, just on the market. And there's also a bunch of people that are left, you know, had enough. And then they just like sold their place or trying to sell their place and already left already and still trying to sell. So we we had to leave our place in mid-contract. And that kind of sucks because I can't find anything around this area until around like August because I'm out of sync. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm only staying here for like eight months and then I'm going to have to find another place. Yeah, so I'm not too bothered. Right but did you have to find a place really quickly? Yeah, super quickly, like within a month, which is why like I don't actually have like, yeah, a huge, huge selection. Yeah, it's really super annoying. When so when was you come like internet, well, I forget, huh? This was when like was this? November, November, really recently, just before Christmas. Mm. Yeah. The landlord also wanted me out like within a month. It was just so crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I had to move everything. And this was also when I was like moving, like going to Hong Kong as well. Super stressful. Mm. Yeah. But in my next place, I'm going to try and get, well, let's put it this way. I'm going to try and get a really good pad because yeah, I do. I don't know about everyone else, but I'm spending a lot of time at home in my office a lot, right? Working. And it's kind of, important to feel comfortable and then it's also feel comfortable when you're off work because you're in the same place right so mm -hmm. you have to have enough space and stuff so you just have to wait it out until uh, august and then do another move so it's just yeah a bit sucky but yeah that's life mm -hmm. so that's what you've been up to long long you've been working on something to do with like uh, davidoff or something right yeah who told you <laughs> you <laughs> 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 yes so what's the deal with that then so i'm like i would say like an ad equivalent so please like order from me everyone so <laughs> if you discount so if i uh, <laughs> order, if i order um want to order cigars from you what i just get in contact with you or whatever yeah just uh shoot me a dm send me a bottle of a uh, mouton <laughs> I'm just kidding, but not really. But um, yeah, DM me. Um, but if you so you DM weren't me, kidding. You, I you weren't kidding about smoking cigars from your butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Apparently, you've gotten so good at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so good at smoking. I can smoke them through my butt now. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah. well, they just dm you and uh like do you have to collect in hong kong so let's say i want to order some so what do i have to you can't you move anywhere right? actually you can bring like 100 sticks legally into china okay and that's what um the mainland people used to do so the buy stuff from um like mandarin is really known for this mandarin oriental they'll buy and they'll bring it over but honestly if you smoke you know 100 is let's say a box is 10 right 
and then you give some away and then that's like okay there's nothing left yeah it's true. yeah okay yeah right and then talking about projects that we've been working on i guess we should announce like a project that we've all been working on but it actually started with you jack with the idea which Up is um, <laughs> yeah which is the straps yeah that we will be posting very soon on your instagram or on all three of our instagrams but i think it's probably a good time to explain this project jack and then also the design of the three straps yes yeah, sure so should we just should we describe the project first and we can take turns on um, yeah. like okay um yeah so guys um we've actually been working on this for quite a little uh while um i think starting in early spring of this or last year 2022 um the whole idea came where you know People, I mean, I'm sure that you, both of you also get this question um, as well, but I always get comments or DMs asking where I get my straps from. And I like have an obsession with straps. Like I, I own way too many than I should, but I feel like it's a fun way to accessorize and fits the mood of, you know, what you're wearing or, or styling wise. So we thought, you know, it would be fun to, do our own interpretation of um, a strap, um, but we each have our own. So we each design one and it's gonna be like the waiting list um, team strap. Um, so we, I reached out to um, my friend who makes a lot of straps for me. I really, you know, stand by behind his quality. And, and even though it takes a little longer because he's a one man show, but I think it's worth it. And he was, you know, very open with us doing this and taking our, you know, vision to the drawing board. So we came up with three straps. Um, I guess we'll like go ahead and and, and um, mention um, that each of them will be ten, well nine, because we'll each be keeping one. Um, so then we have twenty-seven straps. Yeah, twenty-seven <laughs> straps available, and then. Um, my, can we do the design like idea should i go first yeah, yeah go, go on ahead. yeah so mm -hmm. um mine so our really our style is like one is really neutral and then one is dan's is very um you know waiting list theme heavy and then long long is the most colorful out of all, mm -hmm. out of um all of the three um mine is uh gonna be like a taupe you know because if you look at my instagram most of the photos I take and most of the watches I wear on a taupe strap it's just my favorite color and how I like to wear things um so it's very neutral very earthy pastel um with the taupe uh stitching a matching stitching and then I chose this kind of um light moss green color as the underlining um like every time I look at it, it reminds me of Iceland in the summer I don't know why but I really like it um and then yeah so that's that's my strap Yours what is about like you? really neutral is that like how did you is, yeah, is it literally it's the most that's what you like it's literally like that's what i like it's literally if i can i designed it with the intention that if i could you know have one strap to wear it would be this color because that is my favorite color um i wear most of mine on um 
what, what Lauren, you probably know this. Like, what's the color code for the Hermes um, Eto? I know, because I, I was just thinking this is the same color as my like Hermes wallet. Yeah. I don't know what so, it's called. So it's called, exactly, yeah. yeah, Hermes calls it Eto or Eto. Mm. I don't know how to pronounce it in French. Um, but they have like a monopoly or like a copyright over that specific skin from that tannery so um you know other artisans cannot order that color from that tannery but this mm -hmm. is as close as you can get to that color right which is why you know i i have a lot of these colored straps in in my own personal collection mm -hmm. um so i chose like the kind of beige um stitching to contrast mm -hmm. both the top yeah. of the etope yeah. and then the green like light moss green underside because green's my favorite color right but i didn't want to go dark green because that's the theme of our podcast and that's what dan based on based mm. his off of so do you want to tell us about that well yeah just on yours one your one right i noticed you yeah the color of the stitching it means that the color of the, is slightly exposed so it dresses down the the strap a little bit more and then yeah you're right the underside is i've just noticed it's a different color and it's just a little subtle. It's quite very subtle, actually. The whole strap, pretty classy. It's very you. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. It is very me because um, I I went to my first like watch collectors gathering when I first moved back to the states, and I brought some of my watches over. And then someone raised the point, it's like, why why are all your straps on the same? Uh, why are all your watches on the same strap? And then I noticed, oh, you're actually right. Like, not the exact same strap, but they're literally all this color. Like, mm. so I must have a type. But... I, I like I like the uh, exposed stitching. I have to say, uh, I mm. think it makes a difference. Yeah, to the to the to the strap. Yeah, those are all subtle details, but I think it really pulls off. So yeah, mine one right. Um, I'm just not very good. I'll be honest. I put my hand. Down. I'm not very good at this kind of stuff. Like clearly you are Jack, you know, you've got the eye. And I think to some, to some level, like long, long, you do too. But I was just like, okay, I'm just going to go straight for the waiting list podcast colors, which are like a dark green and an orange. And really I couldn't see that it would turn out quite good like this. But I think yeah. it turns out quite well because uh, it's new buck, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than, yeah. So I, I, it's got that new buck. And then unlike yours, which um has the stitching as a different color and therefore highlighted mine isn't so you only have like literally a few areas which are um orange and then the rest of it is just this really dark green mm -hmm. um you've got the strap with you jack like does it change in the light because it's pretty dark right mm, it's so it's quite dark it's literally the color of our logo right um and i wouldn't say it changes color in the light because um you you see it i i think maybe because of the photo you you contrast it with how light the background is and that's why you think the green is really dark but in person it's just the same color as our logo mm. okay yeah and then the underside is a slightly um again orange but not sharp orange like a just a bit of a like almost matte finished orange which just breaks the green <clears> off a little bit because the, the green otherwise i think too much green would be too heavy 
and, and then, too much orange will be too heavy. So the lining yeah. we chose Zura Matte uh, because it's the most like sweat resistant um, lining for the material, right? And then um, we were deciding on the stitching because I, Long and I, we chose the regular stitching, but then mm -hmm. I think you just you wanted like the minimal look, which is I guess more sporty in a way. So then you went for the minimal stitching, which is just at the top, right? With the yeah, three. But I think with the such strong colors, right? I think you can overdo it. And then you, the worst case is, you know, what you wear it, but you buy a strap and the strap's louder than the watch, right? I didn't want that. So I wanted it to actually work and actually use rather than just do the two colors that are in the logo. So that's the one. Yeah, that, that kind of explains why I went for my colors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Long, long, your turn. <clears throat> Okay, so mine is, I would say, like, crimson red, like a very rich color, like rich red, like a very, like, Perfect for red. a Chinese New Year. <laughs> I'm, like, thinking of all these, like, lipsticks. Okay, but honestly, I love wearing red the most. And I like choosing straps that make the watch become, like, the the main, like, in an outfit, like, the the key element like in every outfit so i like mm. to wear stuff that's crazy so i usually choose crazy straps myself um but you're I like, like um yeah. what's his name kevin o'leary he only wears red straps Ugh. but he's like a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but and he's super pro rubber b right um yeah yeah so I think when I chose this I really like envisioned myself being like okay I'm gonna wear a red dress and I'm gonna wear this on I actually think okay so the, the texture thing like the kind of material I chose I kind of thought about this because with the world time in my mind when I envisioned it it was always on a yellow croc strap or a green croc strap and then the first thing I did when I got it was I had no time so I went to Mr. Chrono and I got a really cheap um pink color strap that is exactly the same te texture of like this one mm -hmm. which is like an elephant dry skin right that's like the best way to describe it Flakes. And, <laughs> yeah. and it actually works like it looks better because it dresses the whole thing down and it makes it less mm. serious so yeah. i actually think anyone that orders this red one like you should pair it with like like the bigger the watch not the size of the watch but the like more like in so-called like important the watch no dressier the watch the more you should use this strap instead of like the croc yeah and yeah the, yeah and the underside is black so i think for people who are like whoa it's red at least um i think it's nice because it has the red contrast stitching on the other side it's very sporty in a way yeah, like it yeah. reminds me of ferrari in, in yeah. like f1 racing this um, is the closest i can get to ferrari so this is why <laughs> <laughs> and it's perfect for chinese new year um but I, you know, I didn't own many red straps, but then I um, remember putting a red strap on a black dial, like oh, 5004 or 3970. Yeah. And yeah. I red really works with black dials. Like yeah. even on when I owned um, a Paul Newman Daytona, I put a red strap mm -hmm. on it because it was the black dial oh, and it just yeah. really popped. Yeah. It really yeah. popped. Um, so... Yeah. 
yeah so i think it'll be you know interesting to see how people pair it I noticed, um, um on long long's one the grain is slightly bigger isn't it compared to yeah. your one jack yeah yeah it's it a very uh, different feeling yeah which is good because we designed it in a way to really you know um kind of say if we were to you know be a strap or yeah. if you were to wear one what yeah, would it like, be if it's I were really a strap, awesome. like my skin texture would be like dry <laughs> <laughs> <Try> elephant <laughs> skin um yeah okay but I'm so excited. yeah no I'm excited I'm this. so ex yeah yeah it took so long but it's finally here um yep. we'll go through the logistics a little bit um so for the sizing because you know it's our first time doing this and we didn't really, you know, have prior experience. Um, we know that many of you guys have different size, like lug size watches. And we just wanted to keep it very uh, straightforward and simple for this first one. So I asked my friend, you know, what is the most common size people order for straps? And he said, oh, by far 20 by 16. So that's what we did. Um, if you like maybe later down the road if we do more we could you know talk about other sizes if there is a demand but for right now all three watches will be only 20 by 16 which is the most i guess universal size for straps and then um for availabilities because the straps are with me in the u.s um if you're in north america it's the easiest way um for me to get them to you and that's what we kept it at because we thought about, you know, even though we know there are many of you guys listening in Asia and in and, and Europe, um, but for this first one, because it's such a limited run of 27 um, straps, we thought we could just do the North America um, uh, region first. And then for pricing, it's 158 US dollars, including shipping. And then um, if you want to, and, and we'll post all of this on our Instagrams. And if you, you know, want to want one, you can just feel free to DM any one of us or DM me because I'll be arranging the delivery. Um, and then for payment, we were talking about this, like since it's going to be only North America, if you have Lemo or Zelle, which is the, payment via the um, phone number and your bank. Um, I think that that would be the easiest, but um, for such a small amount, I don't know if Bankwire would work. I'm assuming it will or PayPal, but um, we can also, I mean, we'll, f we'll find a way for it to make it work. And if you're in local Boston, New York region, I go to New York quite often. Um, I'm sure we can do like an in-person delivery um in that account where would you like to do this delivery uh, <laughs> i'm trying to get a reservation at don angie actually which is this, this highly restaurant yeah. in new york i don't know why just off the side note a little bit it's become insanely difficult to make reservations in new york um do you, my, do you care who you're eating with no, I just want the freaking reservation. <laughs> no, no, like but, the person will go with you. Is that okay? Oh, okay. Well, let me, I don't know. But like, can I get the reservation? Why is it so difficult to get 
certain reservations at certain restaurants because I've been trying to make this reservation and what, how they do it is um, they open up their booking seven mm -hmm. days in advance at 9 a.m. And I'm waiting. I'm refreshing my, my mm -hmm. site. And at 9 a.m., there's nothing. It's gone. Yeah. So yeah. There's no way that everybody just booked for seven days worth of reservations within the first 10 seconds or five seconds. I can't figure it out, but it's like that with a lot yeah. of restaurants in New York. Um, but if you have a way like, well, that, I think that brings us to topic, right? First of all, yeah, our straps haven't been pre-sold. So this isn't one of these situations where like watch companies, like the waiting list. Yeah. <laughs> like It's funny because we're called the waiting list, but where yeah. you know, we're, we're selling something that actually isn't for sale. Like, I can pretty, pretty like say this, right? It's first come, first serve. And I know it's not many straps, so it might actually go really quickly or it might not. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But if you can't get one, it's because like it was first come, first serve. So there's no like priority because you were a baller collector that you spent a crap ton on us. I mean, I don't even know how you'd give us money anyway, but um, it's nothing like that, right? But I suspect, Jacqueline, talking, you know, going back to your restaurant thing, if everything is booked and they're opening the books and everything's gone so quickly, it must be pre-sold way before then. I don't know. I mean, if they say that all of our reservations go live at 9 a.m., that's what you would assume is happening, but then it's not the case. Because when you're on the site and you refresh it, it doesn't work. And it's not just one restaurant. It's a lot of restaurants. So I don't know if New York is just everybody's eating out and everybody's waiting well, patiently on, on the do you app. even book yeah who do you think i am like <laughs> oprah like i can just walk into any restaurant and they're like look oprah is here yeah <laughs> no like really like i know what you're saying because it happened in singapore for the whole year it like really was like um okay so this person did give me that booking okay and I asked him how he got it and he said like <laughs> I don't even know if this is true bots like they they actually installed a bunch of bots like oh my god I'm not surprised <laughs> I'm not even surprised at this point because if you're a human you cannot you cannot make the reservation like I don't know if yeah. then people yeah. are just buying them up with bots because Hang on. Jack, yeah. what restaurant do you want to go? Just put it out yeah, there. Like... It no, out I already there. said Don Angie. It's a it's a um, one star Michelin Italian restaurant. And you also don't Manhattan. mind, yeah. And you don't mind who who you're eating with. So this person can just tag along and just sit on the table, right? Yeah, I just want to eat one pasta. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. But I can't get the place, so okay, guys, I don't know. DM Jack. Sure. yeah help her out yeah and help us out with the straps i hope we hope that you know whoever buys them likes them and yeah yeah i guess just stay tuned i don't know when this episode will release but then before it releases we'll um, or after it releases we'll be posting on our instagrams and storing it yeah um yeah. so stay tuned for that all right so should we move on because obviously i we have to talk about like I think the biggest change amongst the three of us would be I mean one your nose and two <laughs> Dan's yes, uh, new yes. role at Philip. Yes, I'm glad How that my your... new role is getting compared to Jack's nose. 
Well, she did spend like fifty thousand on that nose. No, it's a lot more than that, Lo. What are you talking about? No wonder you sold a few watches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was a two hundred K nose job. <laughs> because the first operation failed. I know a lot of people are gonna hate me for saying this, but the number of girls that have gotten a nose job and they have told me, no, it's because I have like I don't know whatever it's called, like the bone isn't straight, so I can't breathe properly. I just want to okay. be like, fuck off. No. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> like, people people actually say that. Yeah, like uh, it's nasally. They wake up and it's blocked. Um, blah blah blah. But that's like me. Can saying, I hey, can I ask a like a like an yeah. honest question, right? Yeah. Because I, I I would I would assume this is an yeah. assumption before all yeah. the sexist people get on my back yeah. that more women do nose jobs than men. Is that a fair um, assumption? I, oh, can I say something? Because <laughs> I'm so fresh yeah. off the boat. Yeah. Um. Actually, like yes, I if I were to place my bet, I would certainly say more women do the nose job, but then mm-hmm. men do so many nose jobs if you like just look into it and yeah. um yeah. a lot of men do it and eye jobs right. or like oh, eye so that, was, yeah. that wasn't actually my original question I, I just wanted to ask that first but okay but um, I just actual question to, yeah. is, if a woman has had a nose job yeah can you tell no not can you tell there's and the guy asks yeah is the is a oh, girl there's no way she's gonna I, is she actually gonna tell you? Is she gonna tell you? Is she gonna tell you? As it, as it, like, is it something that you want to hide that girls hide? I think depending if I had on it done, your right, relationship, like, well, I'm not sure I'd want to hide. It. I don't know. I mean, is it that... Okay, wait. Before? Well, yeah. I, no, I think it depends <laughs> on the obvious factor. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like what did she if look you like before. Yeah, because if she just completely changed, then you don't even need to ask, right? Like, it's pretty obvious. Well, people still but... ask, right? Even they just like to confirm, it, confirm, don't they? But uh, if you didn't wait, but but, you but do you know? I don't think it. Not, wait, like... so this is why what I was getting at it depends on if you knew her beforehand or you just like met her. Okay. Because if you knew her beforehand and you you've already like known her and you realize something's different, then and you you have a good relationship, then maybe you're like, hey, did you do something? Um, you looked a little bit different. <laughs> oh no, <my> haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then if if you guys are in a good relationship and she doesn't. And she doesn't care, then I don't see why she won't be able to tell you. But I guess it's a pretty sensitive topic. But also, like in Korea, everybody does it, so it's no longer yeah. a sensitive topic if you do well, it in I Korea mean, and people ask. In China, like loads of people do it, and as you said, Korea do it. It's, so I just wondered if it was something that, yeah, is off limits when you like. Let's say you notice it, but you shouldn't talk about it. I just wanted a girl's perspective on that, you know. I, I don't know. What about you? I won't talk about it. I won't talk about it. And then yeah, I, I don't think I would. Up. I don't think I would either. Like yeah, if I were I, to, yeah. if I were to just get a nose job. What am I talking about? I already did. Um, but but yeah, if I were to get a nose job or something done, and you noticed something isn't the same, and you asked, I think maybe the first time. I wouldn't say some say anything, 
and then but then maybe like when i want to tell you i would be like oh yeah so i did i don't like a lip injection or a facelift or um what else is there i i what was it called you open your eye up like eye job double nose job yeah double eyelids something like that but okay, I, also I like I learned something about myself very recently like I used to think oh I love awkward moments where no one's talking and the other person's dying inside right but then I also realized that I react really weird comments so if somebody says god the food here sucks um I would be like yeah it sucks <laughs> Like, even if I don't think so, because I can't stand like any kind of conflict, right? So in terms of plastic surgery, if, and this happens, right? If somebody says, this girl definitely did something to her face, uh, I would, to avoid like this conversation going on and on and on, I'll be like, you just no, no, be like, no. yeah, I'll... no, no, no. I will say, no, I don't think so. And then try and end the conversation. Even even though in my head I'm like, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but some people are just yeah. gossipy, you know. Like actually, I think like now I'm thinking about it. If I were in that person's shoes and I were asked if I did something, mm. maybe maybe it's the most it, it, it's the, like the easiest thing just to say yes because the person just wants to know. Maybe they don't even care. Like they're just they they just want to know, right? Like. But then you look at it from the other perspective, like, why Why do you need to know? No, but I want to know why people, yeah, why do people want to know? Do they want to know because they want to just be like, okay, I'm not that ugly. People are not born that way. Is that what they want to no, know? I think people would ask because they, you know, just people want to know that they're right, you know, or they just want confirmation. Yeah, like, you yeah know, they, so maybe that's you know how it is. Why. Like a bunch of people, and you look at a woman or look at anybody and you think, oh, you know, she's... Do you think she's had it done? And and then you know, so you got some people. Say, yeah, she's definitely had it done. You can you can tell by the this and that and this and that. You know, but the only really way you know is if you ask, isn't it? Okay, let's. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, um, in China or in Korea, I think you don't even need to ask. Yeah, they because show it it's off. They show so obvious. It's so obvious, right? Because but do no you think that enough people do, looks yeah. like that? Yeah, especially, no, do you think yeah. that, in, especially in China now, because everybody does it, right? Yeah. So you actually become like you actually think this is normal. Like as a foreigner going in, you think it's this true. Is the standard of the people there. No, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Like all Definitely young like girls and guys do it. Yeah. yeah. So I think in that like situation you don't even need to ask because everybody you know all the young people a, have like, something. i don't know what about now but there's been a period of time where you know it's kind of okay for a guy to wear makeup it's yeah, still okay for guys okay. no i'm saying yeah I'm, I'm saying like but i don't think that's like very normal like normalized in other countries right oh uh, i don't know uh, makeup or skincare makeup like eyeliner no like um foundation concealer you know I don't that think kind of that's stuff. as bad as like the eyeliner stuff well i mean that is full makeup isn't it like <laughs> well in the u.s it's very normal if you see a guy wearing full 
really? face like makeup yeah like you, you see guys expressing themselves that I mean, way. No, it's very normal, guys. No, I don't think you would fit. <laughs> like, I don't think uh, that, that would suit you. Okay, uh, that's fine. Yeah. Like, what would suit Dan? Like a mask. <laughs> no, I, I just don't I just don't think Dan will look natural. I don't think he will feel very comfortable wearing makeup. But yeah, then, trust me, I don't. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then, you know, some guys they want to express themselves and um, that way, and they're so good at putting on their makeup. I have guy friends who are so good yeah, at doing both. eyeliners. Yeah, honestly, I think so too. It requires a talent. Um, Asian, a lot of Asian men tattoo the eyebrows, right? Yeah, yeah, but and then it's and like um, hairlines. And yeah, hairline. and hairline. And the funny thing is, you go to these places that don't do it well. So they basically, um, the process of this tattoo, I'm not sure if it's the same thing as like getting a tattoo, but you draw in your eyebrows first, like using eyebrow pencil, right? Then you put numbing cream and then you start to tattoo like the individual hairs. But then you end up with a block like this, like a stamp. So you see all these middle aged men that have like two, two stamps, like as eyebrows and then no eyelashes. And droopy eyes, like everywhere, and it looks terrible. Yeah. I think maybe they overdid it because um, my mom tattooed her eyebrow yeah. once, and it was it wasn't like a stamp, but then yeah. just very very lightly, and then you the ink would fall off, so then it creates like this yeah. more natural look. Maybe yeah. they just overdid it. Oh, yeah. Whew. All right, guys. Let's why are we talking about, about this? Let's talk about Phillips. Okay. <laughs> let's okay let's just start with something more broad okay so you've been working there now for i would say two months three months yeah three months okay yeah so what has been the most rewarding most rewarding mm, i guess like most rewarding has been like every day you, you just there's so much to learn right that was so much like different experiences that i didn't have before i kind of getting anything i haven't had before and that's been the most rewarding like the freshness like of seeing something new or you know just being uncomfortable i guess mm -hmm. like not yeah. not really yeah not being in a role like this not really being in an industry like this and then having to learn everything like not even sure who to go to for certain things kind of it takes you back and I kind of like that the freedom, that freshness, mm -hmm. yeah, of, mm -hmm. of of the role, yeah, for sure. What do you What do you think is everyone's like biggest misconception about like auction and the way it like the format and how it's run and like how is it actually in real life or like in reality? Yeah, I think I think the biggest misconception, right, is that um, you have to be like super rich to play at the auction. Because well, yeah, you, it's actually you cannot be super poor for sure. Yeah, you can't be super poor, but yeah. But when we think of auction, because of the the news that surrounds it, you know, you know, like I don't know, we did like a turnover of two hundred and seventy million, or you know, this piece sold for like four million. Those pieces are always gonna those premium lots will always go um for like huge amounts of money, and and rightfully you know, they get the news. But actually, there's a lot of selection for a lot of different types of collector. When I was doing the preview, 
um you know there are some they're just collectors that are coming in you know just having a look at stuff they're not necessarily interested in buying you know mm. but you, you get like the full range of if people that love watches should go to like a preview and not be kind of overawed or overwhelmed by the fact that oh i can't afford this or mm. you know it's only full of expensive pieces there is there are so many different types of like pieces that are affordable for a lot of people and i don't know if that's a misconception but certainly that was my own misconception mm -hmm. before i started to kind of um get in touch with like auction houses mm -hmm. right i would say i don't know if that's applicable for like um the other auction houses but for phillips mm -hmm. like we had like grand seiko vintage grand seiko up for the new york auction you know and then mm -hmm. i remember in the Hong Kong auction there was like this parmigiani there and there there was just such a myriad of pieces mm -hmm. um and in the mark cho auction you know there's loads of affordable stuff there um so yeah that's my biggest kind of misconception i would say i would just it's mm -hmm. like even when you go into there like i don't know what you guys think but i didn't think it was particularly snobby right i thought um it feels phillips the way it's geared is really like um collector orientated even the uh, offerings i feel like are quite collector driven um and I, they seem to really get that and i just found it wasn't just me i'm just thinking like the rest of the team are very welcoming to anybody that like likes watches you know i will say this as well like when i was there I, you know, you, you meet all these people that are in the team and it's the first time you're meeting them and they all love watches that, you know, first thing first, they love watches, you know, and mm. they can sit there and talk to you about watches and we're doing like cracking up like watch jokes. And, and that's like, was really, really felt re I felt really at home there, you know, mm. rather than like the business side being, obviously there's a business side to it, but just the fact that everybody's really into watches and they you know there's so much to learn i was meeting with the uh, japanese team and they have this vintage rolex expert and I, when there was no when there were no collectors coming to the preview i was just sitting there with the catalog and we're taking the pieces out and looking at them he was teaching me about them and i was just like wow <laughs> getting a, a proper education with the pieces there so i think that's a a very privileged position to be in you know first to even see the pieces and two for someone with a recognized specialist to to actually you know tell you about you know what to look for like this bracelet you know mm -hmm. uh, it goes with this uh daytona or something you know you sometimes you see it with this bracelet but actually if it's with this bracelet it goes for a higher price because it's the you know it, it's yeah. a lot of like inside that you wouldn't even think to ask you know, we as as collectors when we look at like vintage Rolex, like we talk about dial, changed hands. You know, have they changed the bezel? But then you're talking about like little different other things that you didn't even think about, and then the guy's telling you, you're like, oh, okay, didn't even think about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't. Yeah, there's a lot of scholarship. Yeah, and it's like a really deep rabbit hole. I have to disagree with like I don't think um it's not intimidating to go. I still find it extremely intimidating. No, I, I agree. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't say yeah, it was not intimidating. I think the misconception yeah. is that um, it is full of this because of the intimidation, because of like yeah. how many, you do feel that intimidation. But actually, 
there is stuff that there because I've always thought that there's no point for me to go because yeah. I felt intimidated but actually when I got there I went oh you know what actually there is stuff so I think that's the main thing no it's not the stuff like I'm not like oh I cannot buy this it's more like what am I doing there so it's like I would never go by myself Okay. Even though I'm dying to go, I would never go by myself. So I have to wait till somebody's going and then go as if I'm going with that person to look for his piece. And then through that, then I'm like, okay, I'll look. But what do you, you find me, uh, intimidating then? Like, um, I mean, I don't even do this with any, any branded store. I won't go in unless I'm going inside to buy something that I already know I'm going to buy. <laughs> Okay, for okay. example, let's just use LV as an example. I 100% will buy something if I'm going there and I need a I need a jumper, let's say. I know I'm not wasting their time and then I'm just like, what size? The end. But the rest of the time, I will never walk into LV for no reason. So mm. would you say that's more the fact that the auction house is intimidating or more to the fact that you're not comfortable going there knowing you're not going to buy something? Uh, I think both because... I think um, when it's a, in an area, like when it's a topic that you know that you know way less than the, the person selling it, right? You don't know what questions to ask. Okay. Like, I mean, I, I, I know you're like, what a stupid question. Let's say I'm selling this pen, right? It's like, oh, it's purple. Hey, when was this pen made? Like, there's lots of things you can yeah. ask. Yeah. To be like, is it worth putting my money there? But yeah. then sometimes you're like, uh, do, am I even like the, the right clientele like you're thinking all these things like am I better off um it's like is my am I better off like going to like TST to a shop that treats me really bad like it's <laughs> like I don't know what it is but it's like there's just something I, I wish I knew because every time the auction season comes around I go online, I'm like, whoa, I want to go, right? I actually really want to go. And I'm like, who's going so I can go with them? Mm. Can I say? Well, I did. I, did, I, so I will maybe say, maybe because right? yeah. it's, it is, when I was there, Yeah, it's not often you see a single person go. Yeah. So you always yeah. see minimum like a pair. I, I think it's, I don't know if we've had the comfort yeah. of like, having another person there or the fact that because you have that other person there you're not obliged to talk to the person actually taking the watch out for you so you can talk with your mate yeah and then obviously if you're talking to your friend I'm not yeah. gonna necessarily like be so like in there mm -hmm. I don't know but yeah I did notice that yeah mm -hmm. sorry Jack I cut you off well I was first of all I agree um but I was gonna say you guys have been to physical auction right yeah, and I don't know if it's intimidating that way, but when I whenever I bid, I'm always online or on the phone, so I'm not in the room. Um, because, I, well, for for good reasons, because a, I think it's very easy. I I get very easily carried away, so I I want to be, be distanced from the actual bidding to actually think logically, and sometimes that still doesn't work. Um, but whenever I go to the previews, I completely agree with Long and, and what you said, Dan. Um, I went to like two previews and then even though I know the person who's going to be there, like we've chatted before and I know them very well, I always like go with some friends. 
And um, not because I find it intimidating, but I, I feel like, how do I say this? Like, it's good and bad because I kind of want to bring people along to share what I'm looking at with them. But then that's that's the good part is, you know, you, you share things. But then it's a bad thing where um, the people that you decide to go with, they don't know or aren't interested in watches. And so mm. that happened to me the last time. And it was really awkward to the point where I thought, next time I'm just going to come alone. Because I, I, I was at the New York preview for the Geneva sale or the Hong Kong sale, or they did like a joint one with Phillips. And then I brought four friends along because I was in New York. And literally I was there meeting with the specialist and my four friends were, were sitting across from me with their arms crossed and were like, hey, how, how much longer? Yeah. Hey, can we leave? And then yeah. I felt so bad because I had like a tray full of watches. I think there were like six pieces. And then I was talking with the specialist and we're on number two. And they were like, hey, can we leave? And I was like, okay, let me quickly look through all of them without asking any questions or having much to say. And then we left. So mm-hmm. so that, that was my own personal experience where it was my first preview, like with a specialist. I thought, oh, it'd be cool to you know, grab people and gather people, um, you know, around. Um, so it's less awkward, but then it just ended up being more awkward because then this, I texted the specialist after we left and I was like, sorry, I, I, I wish we had more time. And, and they're like, well, it's okay. Next time, maybe just come by yourself. Mm. That's that. The definitely the same story as me. Like when I first went to preview, I never went by myself. Like yeah. I went with a bunch of like, even like even people that liked watches but even with people that like watches there's different categories right there's there people that they just want to take the wrist shots and then leave and then there's people that actually want to stay and look and and read the catalog right and i'm probably more the latter but then i I still feel the pressure of you know the max people are going to stay there half an hour 40 minutes but then if you really Mm. want to look through it's going to take you a lot longer um and i was always one of those kind of people um but then it, after a while when i got got to know the team better at phillips I, I felt comfortable going yeah alone but yeah i definitely agree with that yeah yeah but um i have a question like because mm. i mean i don't know to what extent our audience bids or actively participates in auctions like what would you mm. say are some of the pros and cons with bidding live and bidding online or phone because that's something that i always was yeah so i would advise people to um bid uh on the phone personally because you you mentioned the point there you've got some auction experience of actually bidding jack and you two as well long um and it's about sometimes detaching yourself to try and just keep being rational. Obviously, it's um, in the auction house's favor, you know, for things to go a bit higher, right? As high as they can, right? And part of that is um, feeling pressure, isn't it? Right? As as the bidder, like feeling that urge, that emotional urge to press that button one more time or to put in another bid, right? When 
we all go into an auction thinking, you know, that's my limit. But there's so many times where the, the bidder will go above that, what they said as a limit, because they actually think, oh, more bid, I'll get it, right? And I think if you go in there, I mean, that's okay. I mean, some people go over their, their limit and get the watch and they're really happy. You know, they're really happy with that. But it depends on what kind of bidder you are. Like, if you want to really stick to that, I, I think you want to detach yourself and be rational. Um, then I think phone bidding is is the best. Like, when you do online, you don't really get um, an idea what's happening in the room because you can't see the room, right? And then when you're live, I think if I, I this is what I think, right? If I was live and I was sitting in that room and the auctioneer, and you're putting your hand up and he's coming back to you and looking directly at you. It's sometimes it's just pressure. a lot of pressure. It's a yeah, lot of pressure sure. to say no, isn't it? Like, sure. you know, you've got all the people, all the eyes looking at you, not just him on the room looking at you. Is this guy gonna gonna bid again? You know? And then you've got that whole, oh, I'm a baller kind of thing. Should I you know, I need to keep going? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. And then he might squeeze another bid out of you. So I feel the best way is phone accompanied with you following it online maybe right and just getting enough information but at the same time being detached yeah yeah okay so what about private sale then what about private sale like how do people buy and sell through private sale yeah so i, I don't know if people know this as well like with the auction houses because the auction the main auction which is twice a year uh, depending on the region, right? So two in Geneva, two in Hong Kong, two in New York. Um, well, it isn't actually, that isn't just their business. So they also do, well, Philips also does private sales. So throughout the year, um, you know, clients can come up to us and ask us to source certain pieces and we can try and source those pieces for them. So that's, that's another service that Philips offers. Um, and they also do a lot of like online auctions as well. So a, a consigner, a person wants us to sell a piece for them. They can, they'd usually approach us. And then sometimes the best option actually isn't the main auction. It's actually an online auction. Um, and sometimes we'll have the historical data to show, oh, you know, look at your piece, what it did on online auction compared to what it did on like, like actually on the main auction. And then we also like, yeah, like I think we've got one in January, which is like 11 pieces, I think or of uh, uh Jean collection and then just after uh hong kong main auction we had the mark cho uh the beauty and everything which was an online auction so yeah we have like auction formats online throughout the year and then we have the private sale and then we have the main auction mm -hmm. so I, I guess i should take this chance to say like all the listeners out there you know if you have stuff you'd like to consign um yeah, just please DM me and see if we can do something. Yeah, for you guys, and see if we can. Okay, can you can you tell the people who are listening how what is the main selection process if they are thinking about consigning? What should they know beforehand, or what will you guys walk through together? Yeah. Um. So if a person comes in, they message me and they say, "Oh, I'm interested in consigning this piece." Then I have to present it to the team. And in Hong Kong, and say, is this suitable for us? But can to take it be on? any brand? Can it be like Armani watch? <laughs> uh, well, you can try it, but there's going to be a high chance that it's going to be rejected. <laughs> you know, 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jack, like, I'd, I'd still do laugh. my job and, and, and you know, <laughs> present it, but uh, it's a good chance that it's going to be uh, a no. Um, hey, you never know, guys. Like, what about the mini, like, Jorn toy set that sold for 20K? Yeah. Like, people thought that was a joke, but then it sold for 20K. Well, we, that, we that, sold. With the original sale price of, like, I don't know, 400 US dollars. <laughs> We sold a brand. Um, we had an offering which was uh, called Malbuson, right? Don't know if yeah. you guys have heard of it. Of course, and, the big. Yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. this brand. So this watch, right? That was it. wasn't It wouldn't be a piece that you know many collectors would go for, but it was there. You know what I mean? Like, and the story Why is it's Richard it Mill before Richard Mill. Oh, it's a Richard Mill before Richard Mill. So there is a story behind it. Was there a yeah. Richard Mill before Richard Mill? Yeah. Before he did Richard Mill, he kind of did this, and then then he went and did Richard Mill. Yeah, so I I, mean, I didn't know that, you know. I only knew that recently, mm -hmm. and then and uh, and and how so do there you are, guys there are, there are. Yeah, yeah. So gets presented, and then a couple of team members are in charge of the estimates. Okay, so we then give the estimates to the client. We also talk about the uh, consignor fee, right? So we negotiate that. And then um, the watch has to be sent to Hong Kong, and then yeah, contracts have to be, have to be signed. And then, what if the client isn't happy with their estimate? Well, they don't. Then they don't have to consign with us, right? Ah, uh, so there's no negotiation room. Uh, there is, but there's a reason why the estimate is the estimate we give, right? We, you know, like we want to take watches on. Oh, and there's another thing I should say is, let's say we can sign a piece. Let's say you can sign a, a piece with us, Jack. And then somebody else can sign another piece with us, which is actually the same as yours. We don't take it on, right? Mm. Yeah, so we try yeah. and protect you as well. Gotcha. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, but there is some, have, probably, yeah. depending on the client, there might be, you know, if you can sign a lot of pieces, maybe there's leeway on the estimates. But yeah. There's, the worst thing is, right, let's say something goes and it actually doesn't reach your expectation and we put the estimate up, okay, and it didn't reach your estimation and you're just upset. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have to manage, like, the client expectations as well have to be realistic. And I think if you look at uh, previous, like, last year, some auction houses, that they, they got their estimates wrong. Right, the market changed in the three-month period. They got the estimates wrong, and a lot of clients were left unhappy. So, yeah, at the end of the day, the market dictates what price you're going to get. Right? Um, we can put the estimates up, but if it still doesn't get, is you know, it's what the market determines it. Right? Mm -hmm. That's why it's an estimate. Mm -hmm. And we are thinking um, of trying to get the best price for 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 the for the consigner. It's in our interest to do that. Yeah. I are there ways to um, wine and dine you to get a better estimate? <laughs> I'm really asking questions that people actually want the answers to. Okay. If they want to wine and dine me and to get a yeah. higher estimate. Yeah. Like, for uh, the, like I, I would say, I would say, I would say no, they can try, but like. It's just a pathetic answer. <laughs> yeah, they can try, but you're probably like, yeah, like I said, the estimates are set by a couple of team members. Phillips Sorry. so it's not actually something that I necessarily have full control I can try and argue your case but I don't have the final decision yeah 
right. So, so who has the final decision so they can wine and dine them? Yeah. Well, who's who's the head of who's the head of Asia? You know, who runs the who are the top people? You know. Yeah. Oh, and another okay. thing I should say is, like, yeah, I'm consulting in Shanghai, and probably the first thing you think is like the Hong Kong auction. But Jack, you know this as well. When a consigner, let's say, consigns a few pieces, yeah, I said online auction or main auction might be an option, but it's also, it might be a better in a Geneva auction or it might be better in a New York auction. Yeah, so it doesn't always have to be like you can sign a piece that all your pieces go into the same auction. Yeah, true. Yeah. I think, again, can, wait, to, can, you, right. can you tell us a little bit like what watches does Hong Kong like? What watches... Is Geneva or New York like? Well, I can only. I can't, wait, wait, wait. Like, can tell... I? This is my impression. This is my impression yeah. from, you know, yeah. a, a participant. Yeah, like an yeah. um, infrequent participant. Yeah. Um, Geneva is really good for vintage paddock. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, New York is sometimes for like independence, like Jean or like Debatune or. Um, yeah. And then, and uh, Hong Kong is like a mixture of both, plus yeah. some smaller new modern watches. Yeah. That's my impression. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would pretty much agree with that assessment. When you look at Geneva auction, it's almost like vintage, like very strong. Um, and then when you look at New York, you would say contemporary. So like that, that would include the independence, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you looked yeah. at... Um, yeah, and then like you said, Hong Kong. I I feel like it was a very mixed bag. You had the independence, and then you still had uh, a 50th anniversary like Royal Oak, uh, Tourbillon, yeah. um, and then you have like uh, you know like a good selection of like Paul Newman's. Then you've got mm-hmm. like the independence, like Roger Smith and Dufour were there. Um, so I I would agree with that assessment. Yeah. Okay. Look at that. Um, well, okay, so one last question. This is something else like I'm actually quite curious about. Um, so how do you guys strategically determine the order of watches? The order of what? The order oh, sorry, of I mean, the like, What do you mean by that? The order of the lots. All right, I don't know the answer to that question, right? Okay. All I do know, though, is that it is strategic. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is very strategic. So that's why, yeah. like... So I would I, say I, this, but this is literally my opinion only, is that, let's say, let's say, let's just use the Nautilus, for example, right? And um, let's say you start off with a piece. Everybody's going for that Nautilus because that's the Nautilus. You know, there is a Nautilus that everybody wants, right? But not everyone can get it because only one person can get it. Can get it. Right. So all those people that are underbidding and then kind of maybe um, don't get it, they look at the next piece. And if it's a Nautilus, they may feel the urge, oh, I didn't get that piece. I'll get this piece. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you have that kind of psychology occurring. I, I, that's my opinion. I, I think that would make sense to do that. But then if you ask me, like, well, why does Rolex then follow? Pat-? I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't. But I'm sure there is a way to do it, but I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe but we'll there is get... kind of, if you think about it, it's like over like 200 lots. So it's pretty, um, 
I would say also, you know, the auction, I actually sat there on the phones for five hours. Okay. I don't, I think it's a tough ask for anybody to sit there for five hours and watch the whole thing. Right. Yeah. So you're going to pick segments, aren't you? You're going to say, okay, I can see this is paddock section. Now this is like uh, a Rolex section or soda light dial section. So this is where I'm or day date section. So I'm going to, I'm going to tune in there. Otherwise you don't have the stamina to, to watch the whole show. Right. You know, if you, if you saw like a Rolex at the beginning and then the next one is like, I don't know, 10 lots later, it's like, you can't go and you you don't want to stay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So are there people who just sit throughout the entire thing? Uh, yeah, people like me, but I think, no, I, I don't yeah. think, yeah, of course there's going to be some people that do it, but definitely not the majority. Yeah. Also think about the time difference, man. Like let's say New York auction, which is basically really late in Asia time. Let's say it's a five hour auction. Are you going to sit there for five hours until 3 a.m.? It it's you know tough right to do that, you know you yeah. the, I mean, you, you you bid yourself you you'd probably set an alarm, and like wake up at that time just to take the telephone bid, and then go back to sleep right, and then you look maybe yeah. when you're in the daytime you look at the results yeah. Yeah, it's like you set the alarm, thinking that your lot is up, and then you log on and you see that you're still like forty lots away because things went really slowly or whatever and then you just go back to sleep um okay shall we wait okay one last question um because you obviously went to the previews and you were at the hong kong auction did you and 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 i know for a fact that you met many listeners of the waiting list podcast in person um were there like particular special moments when you met someone and talked about certain things that you wanted to share yeah, so I will say it's going to be a cop out, right? But oral backs, right? Because mm-hmm. um, oral backs literally got off the plane and he went straight to the office. And me and him spent the whole afternoon looking at Mark Cho's collection, right? And that was my birthday, right? So mm-hmm. that was the first time I met Aurel. And it was my birthday. And just to go watches with Aurel was kind of like, I thought, you know, that's quite nice to do, you know, and to meet him and go through the watches. And, you know, I had no prior kind of experience with Aurel really, but I just, okay. One thing is his work ethic. I think there's a reason why he's at the top. He works so hard, like actually seeing it hard. So he got the condition reports and yeah, this guy probably knows like more about watches than anybody in the team. And yet every single piece he studied and made his own notes every single time, even on the main preview. Yeah. He sat there with the condition reports and he made his own notes and it was just in preparation for um, when collectors call him, he can really be transparent and real and not just regurgitate what's in the catalog and really give a full assessment of the watch. And to do that for every piece, like, and you know, he, he flew in, and then not long after we had the New York auction and he flew to the New York auction and he must've done the same thing. And like, if anything, it was just like that work ethic was like for someone who's already, you would say successful and well-respected in the industry to have that work ethic was just really 
inspiring actually to see. Um, and at the same time, I personally found him like very humble because I was there with friends and waiting list people come in and stuff. And then they would say, oh, they see Aurel. And then they feel bad about because they want to take a picture with Aurel or see Aurel. And they'd say, ask me and they'd say, can you, can you facilitate that or facilitate me? And when he engaged with the collectors, it was not really at a level which is like, I know more and you don't. It was a very just, but one, it's just a bit classy, you know, like it was just, it was just normal. And I, I found that was, yeah, quite a, a good, yeah, experience. And then the really second person is like Mr. Goldberger, Ara Montanori, you know, mm. um, having seen him on like talking watches and, you know, him doing the cheese knife thing. And like, he's so tall and I'm so not that tall. How <laughs> like, tall is he? He's really tall. Like really Maybe tall. he's not. <laughs> It's just a dad is short, so he's like, whoa. And then but I met him. He must have thought it was so like. This is the kind of stuff that happens to Long Long. But it probably like you know, I must have been that guy to to Aro where he was on the he was on staying on the same floor as me. So I saw him there. I came out the lift and he was there. So I said hi, <laughs> and then I shook, went to shake his hand. He was like, I just taught you. Know, if you're just waiting for a lift, all you're thinking about is getting into the lift. And um, yeah, like. I think that was yeah. wait. So he did not yeah, shake your hand. No, I shook his hand. I said, oh, oh okay. you know, I work for Phillips. You know, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'd actually seen him in the auction live room. He just flew in, and I saw him there. Um, but I was on the phones, so I couldn't speak to him. Yeah. Did he bid on anything? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Okay. Do we have any more questions? I mean, it. Again, I, I feel like a large part of this episode is really just to catch up on all the team members. And um, if you guys, you know, have any auction-related questions, feel free to DM Dan because he's certainly the most knowledgeable here in terms of that. And um, I feel like we did talk about, you know, the intimidating factor and all of us feel intimidated um, to bid or, you know, ask questions so we can be that, you know, extra um, source of information for you guys. If you, you know, feel comfortable with us since you listen to us talk uh, for. Yeah, like, just reach out, just or... reach out. And and uh, yeah, if you guys are interested in letting, letting pieces go, just reach out. It'd be great to just engage anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Last thing. Yeah. Uh, support the straps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have so, we, um, everybody listening we have this kind of like we're not going to say like who but we have an idea we're thinking like on a bet yeah to see whose straps go first right so it'd be really <laughs> interesting to see what happens certainly mine <laughs> <laughs> um no guys but all seriousness we'll, we'll post the photos um and then if you have any questions um let us know and um about the straps or shipping or payment feel free to dm me um and then we'll but see also, you on the next um, oh yeah sure no no but dan do you not want to wrap up like this by the way i have to say something before we started this podcast i was like okay after dan starts talking right he's gonna just forget about everything else he's just gonna keep 
talking and talking. And the last part, which is just him, his part, he already forgot. <laughs> no, well, I was thinking like, because I know, I know, okay, so people already don't know this, yeah? So that's me. And then Long Long's like a stickler for time. Like, so she's like, she's always the one messaging me saying, stick to time, stick to time. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to mention that. I'll mention it in no, another No, 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 this is vital information. All right, so there's one last thing I want to mention, which is that, you know, we've been working on something new for the pod, which is introducing a new segment, um, which is about like personal stories um, that may or may not be related to to watches. We're still going to keep a strong watch related content on every Thursday, but we're just looking to expand and broaden, you know, the podcast a little bit because I think it's pretty obvious, like Jack Long Long and me, we, we love like the personal side. So we want to open that segment up. So that's coming soon. And we hope you can support and tune in and give it a chance and let us know, you know, what you like and what you don't like um, so that we can improve that. And hopefully more people can enjoy this podcast. And the main thing is, I think, you know, we, we always want to improve and grow, right? So if you guys can just reach out and give us any information to do that, that would be like, great. You know, whether that's what you content you'd like to see or, you know, things that you think are a bit stale. Um, yeah. We just welcome all feedback. Yeah. So it's an exciting year for the, the podcast, uh, you know, especially since we're doing these strap things and uh, long mm -hmm. on doing these cigar things. <laughs> right. So that pretty much rounds up everything. Um, we will see you on the next one. And thank you for the support. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to the Waiting List Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at the Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.